You are listening to Feminist Current. I'm Megan Murphy. Porn and people's relationship to porn has changed immensely since the advent of the internet. And even more so with apps like OnlyFans and other social media tools that connect consumers directly with women. Many view these tools as a means to empower women arguing that this allows them freedom, independence, and the ability to make a lot of money. But is that really the case? To learn more about the realities behind platforms like OnlyFans, I spoke with Alex Aaron, co-founder of Partners for Ethical Care, the founder of the Gender Mapping Project, and a porn researcher. Alex, thank you so much for joining me on the Feminist Current Podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Me too. So, I mean, we're we're here today to talk about pornography and and OnlyFans in particular and sort of some new um, advancements, I suppose you could call it, in in the porn world uh, thanks to new technologies. Mm -hmm. But tell me a bit about yourself and your background. Um, you know, why, what's your interest sure. in this, this area? So, so around two years ago, I founded uh, Partners for Ethical Care with several uh, other women who were very, very concerned about the gender industry. Um, it was especially with relation to, you know, children and, and what's going on there. Um, I also founded the Gender Mapping Project, which is the project where um, we document exactly how many gender clinics there are across the world, right? Um, and, you know, obviously, um, you know, I'm someone that deeply cares about women's rights. Um, and, you know, I've been following the pornography industry as it pertains to children for years, but the really interesting thing about OnlyFans is that I've actually had the chance to watch it blossom from absolutely nothing to having one million users. So I really feel like I've been um, kind of like a part of this OnlyFans explosion because I remember when they had 25 users and they were just getting started. Um, and as someone who, you know, cares about women and cares about children and, you know, cares about people, um, OnlyFans deeply concerns me. Um, I have innumerable concerns um, about this website and about what they're doing and also about the effects that it's having on society. You know, OnlyFans is terrible for men as well. Um, you know, we can get into it a little bit later, but, you know, people are engaging in extremely strange uh, relationships online, um, which are, you know, incredibly damaging both emotionally and financially. So tell me a bit about how OnlyFans started. Um, you know, what did, what did it sure. begin as? What was the intent there? Yeah, so um, OnlyFans was founded by a guy uh, called Stokely. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to actually tap into the market of Findom. Have you ever heard about Findom? Mm, 
I don't know. I don't think so. So it's a particular type of fetish where men like to pay to be humiliated and dominated online. Okay, so he um, founded a website called Glam Worship, and what people would do is they would reach out to their old, reach out to these um, you know glamorous uh, porn models and essentially you know tip them and ask them to be kind of you know humiliated online. Uh, that was then closed, and he opened uh, Custom for You. Now, what Custom for You did is it made uh, contracts uh, between people uh, to create custom pornography. So I could, you know, join and say to someone, "I'd like to see you dance with the American flag, and I'm going to pay you seven bucks to do it." Right. So that was kind of like OnlyFans, you know, 1.0. Right. It was called Custom for You. And, you know, it ultimately failed because he realized that um, the people were able to go on to Twitter and Instagram and, um, you know, make payments through that instead of making payments through his actual platform and website. Right. So he understood that in order to make this a successful uh, adventure, he needed to be able to control the financial, you know, money aspect of it. So, um, so OnlyFans was founded in 2016, um, and they're you know a social they're technically a social media company, right? And the what you're able to do on OnlyFans is you're able to actually either subscribe to somebody's content. So I could subscribe to you for 20 bucks a month, or I could get into a type of a uh, a relationship with you. Where I am sending you messages and asking for, uh, you know, custom uh, videos of you doing, you know, whatever. Um, so, I mean, really, OnlyFans was born off the back of interest in seeing pictures of, you know, nude celebrities. Do you remember back in 2014 when Jennifer Lawrence uh, had that nude picture leaked? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. So it, it's that type of culture. It's the ability to see something which is taboo, something which you don't ordinarily see in regular life. And OnlyFans has actually attracted an insane amount of, you know, well-known celebrities uh, onto their platform. People like Denise Richards. Okay, you know, she's on OnlyFans. I mean, it, it's absolutely um, insane. So currently. The number of users they have, which is people who are creating content, is one million users. One million people are creating pornography on OnlyFans. Ninety percent of them are women, and um, there's 120 million buyers. So there's 120 people who are logged in to OnlyFans who are buying content. Okay, so this is an absolutely insane you know, <laughs> insane venture. And it's a huge, it's a massive social experiment as well, right? To typically, what, what would have happened in, let's say, you know, the 1990s, if somebody wants to see pornography, they would go to the video shop, they would rent it, they would go home, they would be alone. But now people are getting into complicated um, uh, pathological relationships with their pornographer, right? So it's almost a little bit like a, a girlfriend experience, right? With a with a with a virtual person online, um, and now that OnlyFans has been around for like you 
a couple of years. Now we're getting to the real sort of, you know, horror stories uh, that are coming both from men and also from women. And I just kind of want to, you know, talk a little bit about one uh, message that uh, that I got about OnlyFans. So uh, to gain subscribers, Sarah promoted OnlyFans in her private Instagram. Um, people, that, people that kind of, you know, made fun of her for joining the platform. Others thought she was brave. Uh, Sarah then went on to create an adver- advertisement on a classified website and a user got in touch and offered her $300 to film hardcore porn with a male co-star. Um, the request went beyond Sarah's boundaries, but because OnlyFans hadn't provided a lucrative, wasn't as lucrative as she hoped, she reluctantly agreed. She asked a male friend to film with her and booked a motel. But when Sarah sent a preview of the video to the requester, he berated her for its quality and content, flatly refusing to pay. Sarah says, I was crying because I was tempted by the money. I regret being lured into this request. Um, She later sold the video to someone else for $50, but the whole ordeal was a strain on her mental health. Just after one month, she deactivated her account. Now, this is, I have so many stories exactly like this. Okay. And, um, so yeah, so that's basically you know what what's kind of uh, going on in general uh, with uh, with OnlyFans. It's interesting because OnlyFans is defended by many um, mm-hmm. as non-exploitative. So people will say like, well, you know what. You know, when I when I criticize porn, people will respond to me consistently and say, well, but what about OnlyFans? I mean, what about right. women are just making their own content? You know, there's no pimp. There's no exploiter. Um, <laughs> there's nobody pushing her to, you know, do things that she doesn't want to do. She's keeping all the money. Like, how is that unethical? Right. So first of all, uh, she's not keeping all the money. Okay. OnlyFans gets 20% of everything that she creates right so they operate as you know like a pseudo pimp and what we see also with Pornhub right which I want to kind of mention here is that Pornhub was recently involved in a massive uh, uh, case where they actually said that they were operating almost like Rico uh, so basically like a, a massive criminal conspiracy uh, also with the credit card payment systems Um, And what the judge said is the judge said that Visa was complicit in child abuse uh, because they actually processed the payments um, of a 14 year old girl who was being raped. Now, on OnlyFans, you know, they are taking a a cut of the content and um, they know a lot of the content is either illegal or exploitative. they have uh, words which are, you can search on their site, things like DDLG, which is Daddy Dom Little Girl, things like Lolita. Um, you have on OnlyFans, um, you know, many uh, girls who are clearly, um, you know, working for somebody in a basement, you know, like, like an Andrew Tate type of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's not... When people talk about OnlyFans, they're talking about the top 1% who are making a ton of money, right? The Bella Thorns, the Tana Mongos, uh, all of these people who are making serious money from OnlyFans from selling their nude photos. But the truth of the matter is, is that most girls, um, the average girl makes $176 per month, okay? <laughs> um, 
And in order to do that, she has to do extreme acts. Okay, so we're talking things like drinking urine from a dog bowl, um, extreme things in order to achieve, you know, what exactly? To be your own pornographer and to have a complicated pseudo relationship uh, with people who are requesting to see things of you online. This is, it, it, it's utterly insane to say that OnlyFans empowers women in any way whatsoever. Um, if anything, you know, it's, you're, you're joining into a website where you think you're going to make tons of money. You invest a lot in it. You create lots of content. And at the end of the day, what do you have? $176. Yeah. And I've, I've noticed that, um, men in particular seem very impressed by the women (laughs) who have, who have managed to make tons and tons of money on OnlyFans. Like they speak of it as this incredible achievement and again right. use it as a as a means to defend OnlyFans as, you know, a good thing, as empowering. There was this one woman that one young woman that I, I'd never heard of before. I don't pay attention to the porn world very closely. <laughs> you know, the who's who in porn. But um you wrote about her. Uh her name is Lana Rhodes and Oh yeah. Yeah. She made I well you can it's I I think you wrote or I read somewhere she has an estimated worth of of 20 million. Um and I was watching part of a a YouTube interview that she did. Again, I found this mm-hmm. through through your writing with um Logan Paul and her boyfriend Mike uh, outrageous. Yeah. yeah. What was his yeah, name? Mike Mad Mike 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 Yeah, Mike Mallet. And they were yeah. Talking about, you know, she talked about having been, she was like, something traumatic happened to me when I was, I I think she was like a young teen. She didn't go into detail about what happened. Maybe you know more about that. Well, she said her sister was schizophrenic. Her sister was schizophrenic and tried to hang herself as a child, right? So, you know, like uh, someone who has, you know, serious uh, uh, mental health issues. I mean, Lana Rhodes' story is something which could bring anybody to tears. Yeah, I mean, can you tell me a bit more about that story? I, I mean, what what I found sure. really weird, and, and we, we could talk more about this too, was mm-hmm. that these guys in this particular interview, but a lot of men speak to and about so-called porn stars mm-hmm. in this way, which was that, you know, like she had this troubled past, but she really managed to pull through and look at how <laughs> much money she makes now. And I was like, that's not right. how you get healthy. Like just having made mm-hmm. a lot of money off of your trauma kind of in a way is not mm-hmm. healing. <laughs> well, you know, Lana's a really great example because, you know, I, I really support her because she's now come out against the industry and she's speaking fire truth about it so lana's story was that she came from a troubled past uh, remember lana rhodes is the still the number one star on pornhub right she still is um and she was 17 18 years old she was enamored by uh the 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 girls of playboy she said oh my gosh it's so amazing look all you have to do is meet this you know guy and he'll fly you out and she explained that when she arrived in Los Angeles, she did not comprehend in her head that she was going to have to fuck guys and suck dick 
in order to make money. That is how her her um, the development of her mentality was that when she arrived in Los Angeles, she she hadn't processed what she was actually going to have to do. And, you know, she explains that the moment she arrived there, um, she felt like everybody was, you know, grabbing her and grooming her and forcing her to do ultimately more and more extreme things for money. And you have, you know, videos of Lana being, you know, slapped, spat on, uh, you know, urinated on. I mean, this is horrible, hardcore stuff. And she's come out now uh, after a year in the industry. And she said, listen, what happened to me was horrific. Um, porn should be banned, right? Uh, the industry is completely corrupt. I mean, she's like now pretty much an abolitionist. Um, and what is really completely and utterly sick is that YouTube stars like David Dobrik and Logan Paul and, um, you know, basically all of the all of the kind of young podcasters and vloggers who are targeting the 10 to 18 markets right on YouTube. They've interviewed Lana in depth about her past, her stories. They promote her. So, you know, this is essentially, um, I, I call it, it's adult content for kids. Okay. It's, it's, um, digestible porn information, which can be given easily to a 12 year old boy, right? They think about it. If you're a mother and you're allowing your, your child to watch Logan Paul and he's eight years old and they're, you know, clowning around doing something, you know, opening, opening Pokemon cards. And then two years later, he's discussing, uh, preparing for anal sex with a porn star on a podcast. You know, this is outrageous. I mean, this should actually be like a sex crime, you know, to discuss these kinds of things, um, essentially with children. And what was even more outrageous is that um, Logan Paul and Mike Malak, they actually admitted that they received tons and tons of messages, DMs from children uh, saying that they just watched uh, Lana's pornography. Right. I mean, it's it's so disgusting uh i don't even particularly have like the words for it it's just it's so it's so frustrating and and you're right it is it is disgusting it, that so many men seem not to comprehend um whether this is sort of an intentional you know stay ignorant so you can keep doing what yeah. you want to do and not feel bad about it or if they they right. really don't know or they really don't get it because they're men and not women so they don't fully understand that particular mm. kind of trauma um because i think almost all if not all women and girls in i mean obviously girls are are traumatized when they're uh, raped <laughs> um but women and girls in in the sex industry in porn in prostitution have mm -hmm. this background of sexual trauma of molestation of rape um and then you know also i'm sure tied to that mental health issues addiction issues you know i truly yeah. don't believe that women who are mentally and emotionally and psychologically healthy people I don't think they go mm -hmm. into porn. I don't think they mm -hmm. sell sex. You know, I can't imagine doing something like that. 
and I truly can't comprehend the women who see it as normal and harmless. Like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, I would just never, I never would, no matter how broke I was. Well, you know, the, the, the other outrageous thing about OnlyFans is it's also a type of pyramid scheme, right? So um, if you sign somebody up with your affiliate link, right, you get 5% of everything that, uh, that they earn, right? So think about a sexual pornographic pyramid scheme where you are enticed to invite your friends um, into creating pornography for people online i mean this is uh, uh i i it, it's it's so barefaced and gross like think about that think about the think about the idea that i will be uh, a person who will be able to go out into the world and entice more people to join only fans and i will make a cut of it it's it's low-key pimping mm-hmm. i mean there's this other I'm sure you've heard of Ayala um, who is spoken about by many kind of I would say heterodox men you know men in that heterodox space um, libertarian yeah. men as this again yeah. this you know success story of OnlyFans mm-hmm. um, she broke records mm-hmm. in terms of how much money she's mm-hmm. made on OnlyFans and she mm-hmm. speaks very publicly about how much she likes it and how great it is. Um, and she's mm-hmm. also treated as this kind of intellectual by all these guys, which I think is really strange because she's not an intellectual um, by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination. But I think she sees herself as intellectual. So because she believes that about herself, the men who talk to her also believe that about her. And I think they like the idea of this kind of legitimate, like, smart chick doing porn like she's mm-hmm. not some you know stupid whore for lack of a better term yeah um yeah do, are you familiar with her what do you know about her yeah absolutely i mean to be honest um there are many creators who are on who are on only fans who are not really creating pornography um you know they're people who are making money from selling you know kind of lewd and nude pictures right um and I feel like, as it always happens when you're talking about pornography or the sex industry, you have uh, one or two people who believe that they can speak for absolutely everybody, right? When, you know, when we have the facts, the evidence here right in front of us, um, that there are 385,000 instances of uh, skip the games on OnlyFans, which is an escort site, right? So we have, um, you know, barefaced prostitution, you know, occurring on this website. Um, and that's what we should be talking about, by the way. We shouldn't be talking about the woman who is making, you know, a million bucks from selling pictures of her butt. Okay. Like that is not, that's not the, you know, that's not the, the real hardcore issue here. Um, and I really have an issue with, you know, these people who take checks from this industry. You're taking a check from an industry that has, um, you know, 2,000 instances of daddy, dom, little girl. I mean, th- just think about yourself. Think about why why on earth you would want to get involved um, in, in that type of thing. You know why? If you know that, you know, the people that cut your checks, 
um, you know, OnlyFans, um, the people who facilitate your your online pornography are also involved in some, you know, very illegal um, and and scary things. You know, there's, for example, there was 219 instances of the word Lolita on OnlyFans, right? So we're talking pre pre pubescent girls um, are on this website. Yeah, I, that's a really good point. Like, I don't know how you can claim that what you're doing is totally ethical and you know mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with anyone but me i choose to do this right. this is what i like to do i'm making good money leave me alone when in fact you're mm-hmm. promoting this this platform this site this company that is enormously exploitative and contributing to the mm-hmm. harm of of so many women and girls you know, and also it's important, I think, also to um, to to mention that you know uh, it, it's it, OnlyFans has been investigated, you know, like by the FBI, uh, by you know experts in, in sex trafficking, um, and you know they they have said within 90 minutes of investigation on the website, they were able to find uh, child pornography. Um, and the, the the jury is absolutely out on the fact that the OnlyFans doesn't put good measures in place to verify the age and the consent. Um, they they really are, are just an unbelievably passive hub for sexually explicit content and images. And um, you know they also confirmed that this is totally used by sex traffickers and other criminals. So right so I. It's it's wild that anybody would say, okay, I'm a libertarian, I'm creating this, blah blah blah. Well, okay, it, but it, this is not a victimless crime. Um, and from the other side, from the side of the men, right? There's tons of men who are going on uh, chat shows and uh, talking about their addiction to, you know, donating money to to cam girls and OnlyFans girls. You know, this is wrecking the lives of men as well. Uh, it's, it's, of course, it's wrecking the lives of women, but it's absolutely wrecking the lives of men as well. Because instead of going out into the world and finding a partner and falling in love, you're uh, DMing a, you know, uh, a, a porn star um, that you have a kind of a pseudo pathological relationship with. It's, it's, um, it's a very difficult thing to even particularly get your mind around. And what I also thought was interesting with the whole Andrew Tate thing is that. Uh, Andrew Tate admitted that a lot of the time he was the person that was speaking to the men uh, through the Chatterbait or OnlyFans platform. Um, so, you know, it's it, it is kind of do you remember that movie where the guy has the uh, virtual girlfriend in his head? Mm-hmm. I think it was Joaquin Phoenix in it. Yeah. Um... It's basically like that. Yeah, that's. Oh, it was called Her. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's interesting because, you know, another defense often used, um, in terms, in defense of pornography and prostitution too, is like, well, what are lonely men supposed to do? You know, what are the lonely men who can't find a girlfriend who no women want to sleep with, you know? They need a sexual outlet too, and and they talk about OnlyFans in that way. 
they also have begun to talk about um uh kind of ai porn and yeah these sort of you can you can chat to like a an ai girlfriend kind of thing um in that way and to me it seems like a not very well thought through response because i think that what no. it actually does is it just makes them lonelier because again you know as you sort of mentioned earlier instead of being pushed to go out in the world and meet real people and find relationships not even necessarily sexual relationships just form relationships with other people um, yeah. to find real meaning in your life um to feel like you're a part of a community but also you know potentially yeah. meet a partner instead they're just at home on their their laptops or their phones um exacerbating the problem Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's a really interesting statistic that I heard today, and that was that um, you know 28% of men between the ages of 18 and 30 reported having no sexual contact in the last 12 months, and uh, people have started to call OnlyFans lonely fans, right? I mean, it's it's starting to even you know I, I think there's a lot of shame that's connected to the men who are addicted to. Uh, cam girls and OnlyFans. Um, you know, there's a ton of shame in that. And you see these men who are like addicted to these platforms and they truly are the saddest people maybe I've ever seen. You know, very lonely people, very down on their, you know, absolutely no self esteem. And they're paying $30,000 to a cam girl in Ukraine to, uh, to talk to them. I mean, it's, it's as much as I like really detest these men, I also feel incredibly, you know, like sorry for them as well. And it's a terrible existence for them as well. Yeah, I, I find it quite a sad situation also. I mean, let's talk a little bit about these new, these new technologies. You mentioned something called Chatterbait, which I'd never heard of before. What's that? Yeah, yeah. So Chatterbait is, um, so I was, last uh, last year, I was in uh, a very large uh, porn conference um, and just kind of see like what is, what is going, you know, what is, what is, uh, like, what, what is the latest hype, right? And everybody was talking about, of course, OnlyFans and uh, Chatterbait. Um, so let me just kind of tell you a little bit about that. So uh, Chatterbait was, uh, so I, I was at a conference last year and everybody was talking about Chatterbait. And in the center of the conference, uh, they had uh, maybe 30 or 40 people who were engaging in, uh, you know, like live cam work, right? So what people essentially do is they create little rooms, okay? And um, they gather, you know, followers um, and they do things for tips, right? So imagine, you know, I would say, you know, take, take a shot of whiskey and, you know, you get $5. Now, this is a really, um, this is a really, really popular uh, website. And it's, you know, it's an incredibly sad kind of, example of 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 society basically um and you can see i mean you know there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of viewers 
who are watching, um, you know, this very, very strange content. Um, you know, I don't even particularly call this, um, you know, pornography. This is more like engaging in a pseudo relationship uh, with somebody online who you are almost involved in a sexual relationship with. These uh, uh, relationships that people have with cam girls are unbelievably uh, complicated. Um, you know, they, they get deep into their personal lives. A lot of the time, uh, you know, cam girls will say to guys in America, hey, I'm going to come and, and live with you. Send me $40,000 so I can come. Um, so it's what 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 can what what is this ad? What does this add to the world, truly? I mean, what? this is not erotica. This is not a celebration of the human body. This is, you know, real um, sad, sick degeneracy, right? What, what does this bring to the world? What is Chatterbait doing? Uh, how are they contributing to society? Um, it, it's, it's, and also, we have to ask serious questions about what the effects of pornography are going to have on the next generation. Right. You and I are around the same age. I'm 36. So the kind of people that I grew up with um, were not exposed to pornography from the age of 12. It really only started, you know, uh, internet pornography really kind of hit off in like 2009 in the mainstream. Right. Of course, it was always available in different places. But, you know, to become it was really with the iPhone. Right. With the iPhone, you could open up your phone. You had instant access to pornography all the time. Um. And it totally changes the way that uh, people are interacting in sexual relationships. I mean, how many 25-year-old women do you know that are saying to you that their boyfriend wants to choke them, um, their boyfriend wants to, you know, spit on them? This is something which comes entirely from pornography. And when you speak to people that are over the age of, like, maybe 35, they just simply don't understand how violent um, and insidious the industry is. They kind of imagine like their father's playboy from, you know, the 1990s and they're like, oh, porn is fine, porn is great. And they don't actually go onto the websites and see, see what is happening. Because once you see what is happening, um, it's, it's very, very difficult to actually go ahead and defend it. It's interesting because the generation... So, you know, Gen Z um, mm -hmm. and and I guess probably some uh, younger millennials, mm -hmm. those that generation has normalized pornography to such an extent mm -hmm. that they don't seem to see violence as violence anymore. Like, I think right. to me, you know, I don't watch porn, but obviously, you know, I've I've looked at it either in, you know, documentaries that have been made for pornography yeah. or as part of kind of research. Um, and I find even the um, the regular, in quotations, you know, the, the non, you know, stuff that's not like kink porn, that's not BDSM porn, mm -hmm. um, that's not considered to be extremely violent. Like that porn I find really disturbing humiliating and degrading <laughs> and and often violent right um but that mm -hmm. generation that grew up looking at porn from the time they were you know 12 years old they 
seem to think that what they're watching is harmless and fine. So even so you say, you know, like people of our generation don't really know what porn Uh is nowadays, but the people who do know what porn is nowadays also don't consider it violent. Um, I, you know, was having this conversation on Benjamin Boyce's channel with Ayala, who I mentioned earlier, and she was Uh talking about these TikTok surveys that she had done, um, which she calls um, data. (laughs) But, um, you know, so she essentially surveyed her followers, which are, of course, going to be pornography consumers, um, (laughs) to find out, to to prove her, her... uh, belief that actually women do like violent porn and actually more women like violent porn than men they actually prefer violent porn more than men do but her question doesn't describe what violence is and so i suspect that these Mm -hmm. people who are responding and saying you know i do or i don't like violent porn i mean i i i don't even know what they would be talking about but it i think it became clear when i was reading the way that she she'd formed these questions and this data that you know i think yeah i think that people have just normalized things like choking and um i'm trying to think of how to describe acts without being vile (laughs) but it's interesting you're saying that because um you know that what what she's saying is actually complete debunked bullshit because we know what the top five uh rated movies are at all times on Pornhub and we know who's watching it because we have the credit card and you know you you have the credit card information so the the porn industry knows exactly who is watching and what they are watching um so doing a survey of like a hundred people who are pornography consumers is you know absolutely pointless because um, we know that what people are consuming is the gonzo porn, right? That's always in the top five. And when we talk about gonzo, we're talking about things like Latina abuse yeah. and ghetto gaggers, where, you know, you get women and you, you know, utterly humiliate them, spit on them, urinate on them, really just the most degrading shit you can ever particularly imagine. And these are in the top five consumed, um, you know, uh, pornography videos there's an entire segment which is called abuse porn where you have uh, you know facial abuse i mean this is you know people people talk about things like you know uh, uh, violence and mass shootings and you know racist attacks why does nobody ever say maybe this is coming from pornography right can you imagine the mentality of somebody who is watching ghetto gaggers at night and then the next day he's going into school and he's being a school teacher. I mean, it's the mind truly boggles uh, as as to what the long term effects of, of this are actually going to be. Or a man who's who's watching barely legal porn and then going to teach right, in a right. high school classroom the next day. I mean, it's so mm-hmm. baffling to me that anyone could believe um or claim Mm -hmm. that watching barely legal porn which is you know obviously pornography where the women are they choose women who look as young as they possibly can look so they're they're often women who really do look underage Mm -hmm. um and then they're made Mm -hmm. up and dressed up to appear as teenagers and sometimes children 
um, and to talk, you know, using like a childlike voice. Um, and uh-huh. and so many people defend this as harmless because they're not literally underage. And it's like, what do you think this is doing to that man's brain and his fantasies and what he's turned on by and what seems like normal Mm -hmm. desire or normal sex to him. Well, you know, I mean, the, the whole barely legal content is, is actually supposed to be completely illegal. Um, you're not supposed to uh, depict, um, you know, depict porn performers as being younger, you know, than 18, but you see all the time, um, you know, uh, 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 girls who are dressed up with teddy bears and pajamas, and they're not meant to be, you know, 18-year-old girls. They're actually depicting, like, 9-year-olds, 10-year-olds. Um, and this is also an incredibly popular uh, genre of, of pornography, the whole barely legal. Um, and I, I, th- I find that people who defend the porn industry truly don't understand it in any way or capacity. Um, they don't understand that it's affecting basically every facet of our lives. You cannot escape porn culture, right? We are totally and utterly immersed in porn culture. It's in every billboard that we see. It's in every advertisement for, you know, whiskey. Um, it's absolutely everywhere. And it's, you know, the, the, I always say to people, you know, the same people that are uh, filming um, you know, pornography at night are the same people who are filming Disney during the day, right? I mean, it's the the porn industry is absolutely insidious. Um, and if you really sit back and think about it, they are, you know, think about the way that porn really is affecting the culture in a massive way. Um, and it says to girls, basically, at the age of 12, either you're going to be a sex object or you're going to be utterly invisible. Right. That's what, you know, Gail Dines, who I really, really respect. She says you're either fuckable or you're invisible. And that is the type of culture that porn has, you know, created. Yeah, I know. It's it's not as though porn and the effects of porn are limited to only the individual watching or only the women who Mm -hmm. are in the porn video, which interestingly you know, few want to think about or talk about. Again, yeah, when I, I mean, try to have conversations online, you know, on Twitter, for example, which I've been doing a lot lately about porn, um, men compare it to drinking or drug use in that, you know, they're like, oh, well, you can't, you can't criminalize every bad thing. You know, look at what happened during Prohibition, um, which to me, it just makes it clear that to them, this is just a product that they're consuming, you know, cause I'm always like, but alcohol isn't people like those are real women that those things are happening to. And you have no idea what else is happening behind the scenes and you don't know what her life is like. And if she's, you know, mentally stable or whatever, which of course she's probably not. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, basically every porn actress ends up coming out of the industry and, you know, seeing how utterly awful it was. I mean, you know, we have Lana Rhodes, you know, number one porn star, says that porn should be banned. Mia Khalifa basically says the same as well. Um, you know, eventually the the people, you know, and Lana Rhodes was like the poster girl for the porn industry. Everybody loved her. They thought, you know, she is just this fresh-faced, amazing person who, you know, loves to have sex. And she eventually admitted in an interview that she is like almost, she says that she is not attracted to anybody. She does not want to have any relationship with anybody. And she describes herself basically as asexual, right? I mean, (laughs) you know, and this is the number one performer in the industry, right? So everybody most of the porn stars, as I'm sure you already know, end up coming out of the industry and saying how terrible it was, how bad the agents were, how predatory the entire thing is, how traumatized they are from the experience. And you know when they say that, Megan, what's really fucking sad is that they they just get humiliated all over again, right? Lana Rhodes is a great example. She came out and started criticizing the industry and people were just hating her for it. They were saying, basically, you're a stupid whore and you shouldn't have done it. So, you know, the the cycle of abuse to porn stars truly never ends. I wonder then if you think that, you know, something like AI porn is Uh more ethical. I think that people ask that question a lot um, because... Uh you know, women like us who who are critical of the porn industry and talk about how abusive and exploitative it is and how many women in, in that industry are really seriously harmed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people will be like, oh, okay, well then what about AI porn? Or what mm-hmm. about sex robots or sex mm-hmm. dolls? Um, wouldn't that mm-hmm. be better? Because men can then have this outlet and then no humans are harmed in the process. Right. Well, you know, um, so I, I don't know if you know the type of pornography called hentai. Um, it's kind of anime, animated porn. Um, and it, it's actually the most graphic and the most sick genre uh, that's out there. Because what you can do is you can depict, um, for example, somebody raping a baby. Uh, you can depict people having, you know, sex with animals. Uh, you can depict absolutely anything you want. I mean, basically, the the sickest fantasies uh, from the the deepest, darkest, most disturbed person. Um, that's really what people are watching in in hentai. And yes, you're right. There's no, you know, humans that are involved in that that are getting hurt. And obviously, that's great. Uh, but the, the the massive damage that this pornography does is, you know, well documented. Um, people come out and they say, you know, they're because it, it, it's built to be an addiction. Think about it. Right. You get the pornography and then you get a massive, you know, dopamine hit. Right. And um, that's an incredibly powerful, you know, tool um, that you're, you know, you're kind of fusing a a virtual experience with an incredibly physical experience at the exact same time. Um, and I mean, I've, I've obviously seen sex robots, right? I touched a sex robot last year at a, at a porn conference. It's very, very, um, 
it feels incredibly disgusting because these dolls are often incredibly small, almost like childlike. Um, it's, it, it, I don't know. I mean, I've spoken quite a lot with John Euler about the motivations of some of these people who have these dolls. Um, but it, again, like these are, it, it's lonely fans. It's, it's sad, pathetic, but you're going to have a relationship with an AI robot. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely crazy. And then when you get into things like, you know, hypnosissy porn, where you have people who are literally being, you know, trained uh, uh, to uh, you know, take hormones and, and, you know, imitate the opposite sex. Uh, it's, it, it, I, I truly just, I feel that the people who defend the porn industry blindly are over the age of 40 and actually don't watch pornography on a regular basis. Because when you speak to somebody who's 22, 23, 24, um, they, they tell you like, you know, that the porn industry is, or the porn that they're consuming is seriously affecting their lives because they're seeing the violent stuff. They're engaging with it on a, on a daily basis. Whereas our generation, we're not engaging with it. We don't particularly even know like what it is. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if you followed this story. Um, I just read a, an article about it on, on pirate wires that they published a couple of days ago, but mm -hmm. there was this big drama around Twitch. Um, that weird app where people watch other people playing video games for some mysterious yeah. reason. Um, <laughs> but what what had happened was this guy, um, let me just find his name, um, Atrioc, this big Twitch streamer, was caught watching a deepfake AI porn. Mm -hmm. Um, oh yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, as yeah, yeah. a screenshot was was caught and one of his tabs was open and and somebody saw that he was watching AI deepfake porn of mm -hmm. these two other female Twitch yeah, streamers. Yeah. So um and and it was this big scandal and these women were really upset and and seemed kind of, of traumatized by the whole thing. And I watched his apology and I watched a response kind of reaction video from one of the, the young women that was in this deepfake AI porn. She's crying. She's really mm -hmm. upset. But all of the people involved in this, this drama defended what they called, you know, regular porn. Um, you know, so their their criticism of what happened, what what happened to them, and in the case of um, this Atrioc guy, what he did was that you know, I you know it's different if I'm being paid for this. It's different if I consented yeah. to being objectified, but I, mm -hmm. I you know I'm being objectified against my will you know i didn't choose to become a sex worker i chose to do this instead and now this is happening to me and that's what's bad his defense was you know i was just watching regular porn and then this ad popped up for this uh ai deepfake porn so i clicked on it but it's not something i normally do i really just like regular porn and i was like are you all crazy like 
they they you know as though this is some terrible thing and it is a terrible thing but i don't think it's that much more terrible than just the regular porn that you're watching mm-hmm. well i mean obviously that's a massive uh, uh that's obviously a massive um uh, how, how do you call it i mean it's it's obviously a huge violation of your boundaries. I mean, it's, 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 it's utterly unthinkable, to be honest, to create a deep fake of somebody performing pornography. And then, you know, you're, you're, you're consuming it. And this is someone who didn't consent in any way whatsoever. And, you know, they're just, uh, I mean, I hope not, people are starting to get quite serious around the issue of revenge porn. Uh, they're starting to kind of pass laws about it, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And I'm not sure what's going to happen with the deep fake porn. Um, it, it's because people are going to start arguing that they own they own the content because they made the content, right? Um, and it, 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 I think it's going to end up with a massive, you know, kind of legal argument around this because that's what the porn industry does, by the way. The porn industry, whenever they're faced with any kind of adversary, they get their, uh, you know, their their big shot lawyers out to come and defend them and talk about how porn is speech and blah 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 blah. Um, you know, that's their that's their go to. That's what they do. That's their that's that's what Larry Flint did. That's what you know penthouse did is they say pornography is a form of speech and it's protected um and is <laughs> i do love free speech but i i cannot get behind the idea that pornography is a type of speech i think it's such a legal kind of gotcha that just you know really in, in reality just doesn't work yeah, I mean, I'm also a, a big advocate for, for free speech, and I don't see pornography as a form of speech in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it mm-hmm. as a form of prostitution. Um, yeah. And I don't find that those arguments make any sense at all. I mean, no. if you're saying words, you're not literally doing something to another person's body. <laughs> Um, I, I suppose I wonder, you know, what do you think the future of porn is? You know, do you think that AI porn is something that's going to kind of take over and get really big or are people always going to want the, the human factor? I mean, oh, oh, the direction that I think that porn is really going to go is the direction that OnlyFans is taking it in. And that is that people are going to have very complicated, uh, intricate relationships with people online who are creating pornography for them. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the, the threshold for pornography is obviously going to get much higher. Uh, I mean, that's what generally happens when you speak to men who are addicted to porn. They say they started out on regular porn and, you know, then four or five weeks later, they're watching, you know, Latina abuse and, you know, all of the really horrific, terrible stuff. Um, so I don't think, I don't think the AI porn is actually going to catch on. I think that it's probably going to go in the direction of, uh, of, of, you know, only fans 
and having a direct connection with the person who is creating your porn. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, it's also a, what I would what I think is really crazy is that why don't men's rights activists come out and start to protest? You know what is happening to men, right? Uh, through pornography. I mean, it, it kind of baffles me in so many ways that they aren't, you know, taking this issue as a forefront for them to fight. Because, you know, everybody is a victim in this whole thing. The men who are addicted and sad and spending all their money and the women who are creating the porn who are abused and trafficked and all the rest of it, right? Um, I, I just, I, I kind of w- would love to sort of, you know, see that would be, kind of the men speaking up and saying, hang on, you know, we want better for our sons. Yeah, I would too. And I think more men are doing it. You know, while on one hand, pornography is becoming more and more normalized, I've talked to Mm -hmm. a lot of men and, you know, men my age, but also younger men too, who have of their own free will quit porn um, because they started to recognize the damage that it was doing to their lives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I actually, I have a, a friend who's in his 20s, for example, and and he um, he did just that. You know, he started to recognize, like, this is, this is so bad for me. This is so bad for mm-hmm. my brain and my psychology. Um, mm-hmm. so, I f- so I do feel hopeful about that, and, and I feel hopeful that those, those men will talk to other men about... Mm-hmm. what they were yeah, feeling be honest. And they stopped yeah you know i think it's interesting megan like when you speak to somebody who is like a big uh, person who is defending porn ask them please share with me the last 10 videos that you watched they don't want to share it with you you know they don't want to tell you whether. there's it's such utter bullshit when people come out and say blah 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 porn is wonderful okay so please post on twitter the last 10 videos that you watched if you if that's the way you feel. And, they'll, and they don't do it. They never do. Because yeah. they're ashamed. If it's so fine, then why can't we know what you were watching? You know? and yeah, then, let's see and it. And if you won't show us because you're ashamed, why are you ashamed? And, why, and exactly. do you want to think about that? Why are you watching something that you feel ashamed to be watching? You know, I don't think there's anything that I've watched that I wouldn't admit publicly to having watched. You know, I admit that right. I watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians. You know, the day yeah. that a new episode comes out. <laughs> but, you know, it would well, it's, it's be strange to be participating in something regularly that you feel so ashamed about participating in or consuming. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, you, you ask these people who are big, you know, porn defenders, you know, please share what you're watching. Um, and there's a massive amount of shame and kind of the worst thing that can ever happen to like a, a podcaster or, you know, uh, kind of a male celebrity is that his, you know, he accidentally shares the wrong screen and people see what he was watching. Right. I mean, it, it, it's something that happens like over and over and over again yeah. that uh, that, the you know, the, these tabs end up being shown and these, you know, men are like really embarrassed and apologetic. So. It, even the big ones that are the big defenders, they're still utterly and completely, you know, ashamed of what they're doing. Yeah. I I wonder, have you come up with any solutions to the porn problem um, in terms of what we do? You know, when I speak critically about pornography or talk about trying to curb porn use, 
people yell at me about banning things. Um, and I don't think it's possible to ban porn, so I don't think that's a realistic conversation to have. But I do think it's incredibly important that we try as hard as we can to curb production and consumption. What do you think a solution yeah. would be? Well, I think, you know, we need to do kind of the same thing that we did with cigarettes is that, you know, this needs to come with a massive, massive warning and people need to understand, um, you know, that this is a very, you know, people, you know, if you think about 60 years ago, everybody smoked, right? And today, you you know, you don't really know that many smokers. It's not, people aren't really smoking cigarettes anymore. And that's not because cigarettes were banned. That's not because people were forbidden from buying them. It's because people, you know, learned and were educated. And as a society, they decided not to smoke, right? And I think that's exactly the same thing that has to happen with uh, with pornography, is that people have to come to like a consciousness understanding, probably through education, that this is a seriously damaging, um, you know, thing to engage with, just like cigarettes, and, you know, kind of, do it at your, you know, do do it at your peril. Um, and we also have to say as a society, like enough with the, uh, the pornification of absolutely everything. Um, every time I turn on an advert for, you know, it doesn't matter if it's for, you know, Schweppes or, you know, a type of vodka, there's always some naked woman who is, you know, it, it just... I feel as a society we can do better and um, we have to really hammer in the, 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 and I think it's actually getting through. I do think the message is getting through that porn is really, really damaging. Um, you know, people are talking about it a lot more. And, that, and that's what I think is going to happen, Megan, truly. I think that people are going to move on and decide that this is not something that they want in their life. Well, I hope you're right. Um, thanks so much for talking <laughs> a big with consciousness. me. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say a big consciousness raising. I think that's probably what has to happen to us as a society and say, you know, you know, 28% of men between the ages of 18 and 30 are not having sex, right? So, you know, something's going on here. <laughs> right, right. And do you actually want intimacy and to resolve your problem mm -hmm. of, of loneliness and not being able to find a partner and right. how will you do that I don't think the solution is in mm -hmm. porn or you know talking to like AI <laughs> sex bots robots <laughs> yeah um thanks so much or for talking pardon that was the other funny Megan is that you know Andrew Tate the kind of he admitted that a lot of the time he was speaking to the men who were consuming the pornography through it. I mean, think about the fact you know you're sitting there masturbating to Andrew Tate, this like bald, ugly guy. You know, it's just <laughs> it's just pathetic. Yeah, it is pathetic. Um, thank you so much for talking with me about this today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too look forward to speaking to you again yeah i look forward to speaking to you again also um can you tell me where we can find you online sure so you can find me online on twitter at alex aaron my gender mapper account was banned um you can also find me on my website gendermapper.org and if you're interested in any way in, um, you know the gender industry uh, then you know please come to partners for ethical care 
Uh, and also, I do want to say, like, if you're a victim of the porn industry, I do know lawyers that are looking to take on cases. So, you know, like, do get in touch if you're, you know, a victim of OnlyFans or, you know, Pornhub, uh, because I do know people who are looking to take cases, um, you know, for victims. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Okay, um, thank you again for speaking with me. Um, I I look forward to talking to you again. Amazing. Look forward to it. Take care. Okay, speak to you later. Okay, bye. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. You can find us online at feministcurrent.com, tweet at us at feministcurrent, or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libsyn, and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Spotify, and beyond. You can even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Feminist Current is produced and hosted by myself, Megan Murphy. We have been ad-free, sponsorship-free, wealthy investor-free, and fully independent since 2012. If you enjoyed this podcast, and if you value independent women's media, by women, for women, no compromises, please consider making a donation to support our work. Just visit feministcurrent.com and click the donate button.